Good morning. Our scripture today comes from 1 Timothy 6, verses 6 through 10. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we, will, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich and fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierce themselves with many griefs. May God add his blessing to this word. Thank you, Larry. Well, good morning, saints. <laughs> you know, tomorrow, like I said, is All Saints Day. You too, Larry. Thank you. <laughs> and you know, when we use the term saint in this kind of fashion, we're not using it to talk about some special person who lived a nearly perfect life and that kind of thing. But any, we're using it the way the Bible uses it, which is any person who belongs to God. Uh, and that doesn't mean that you're perfect, but you are God's person. And that makes you set apart for God. That's what the word holy means. And a holy person is a saint. Um, another note here, I'm, I'm also interested in the conference that's going to be starting today in Glasgow, Scotland, where scientists and government leaders are all getting together from all across the world to address climate change. I don't know if it's important to you, but for me, this issue is about caring for God's creation. So it's a faith matter for me. The conference is called the 26th Annual Conference of Council of Parties, Conference of Parties, or COP26. Uh, and an international prayer movement that I uh, stay connected with has been urging Christians everywhere to pray for the healing of creation and for a successful conference. So let's, let's pray about that together, shall we? Lord, we know that we don't all agree about everything with climate change and what causes it, but we do all care about this beautiful, abundant creation that you have put us in. This is our home. And you have assigned us to be its caretakers. And from our limited point of view, it seems that extreme weather events are on the rise. Uh, Lord, we're concerned about it. As we see deserts growing and rainforests dwindling, seas are warming and polar ice caps are melting, certain animal species are heading toward extinction, and, and the poorest people are put at the greatest risk. Lord, we are looking for answers, and we're looking to you. And Lord, we also thank you for your word for us today. Let its message break through our hardness of heart and change us forever. In Christ's name we pray, amen. A woman enjoyed her beautiful home, and she could afford to put anything pretty much in it that she wanted to put in it. Uh, she said once, though, that 
she didn't need all these fine things, that she would be completely happy with very little. Interestingly, that's how her life turned out. She now has little money and rents a very small home with inexpensive furnishings. A man was president of a company with 100 employees, nice house, nice boat, really nice new sports car, and then the business tanked. He filed for bankruptcy and now lives in a modest home and drives an older vehicle. You know, our fortunes can change suddenly. And that's why Jesus said not to trust in the treasures of this world because they can be gone overnight. Moths can eat holes in your clothes. Bed bugs can ruin your furniture. Termites could destroy your home. A hacker could steal your identity, take all the money out of your bank accounts, and max out your credit cards. The treasures of this world are not reliable. This is week six in our seven Sunday series uh, on margin, restoring overloaded lives. And you know, I've been hearing over, during a, this month and during the weeks how some of you are talking about margin. And I love that because those conversations are really going to help us make progress. So let's keep talking about it. Um, I know last week a lot of you wrote down your first step. What was your step that you were going to take to get started in adding some margin in some area of your life, either physical margin, financial time margin, or emotional margin? And so I'm just wondering, how's that going for you? I'm guessing that 95% of us haven't done anything yet. Am I close? Uh, I mean, we think it's a good idea, but, you know, inertia is a powerful force. Old habits die hard. We are set in our ways. What, me change? So, today we're going to talk about how we need deeply held values to support the changes that we make. Without these Values, it will be hard to establish new marginful practices. Here's an example. Have you noticed all these confusing recycling bins throughout the building here? Anybody else notice them? Thursday after a lunch meeting, I, I stood in front of five trash cans in the conference room trying to separate my stuff from my box lunch I just ate at the meeting. Let's see, the cardboard box uh, goes here in paper products. Uh, my soiled napkin and the uneaten pickle go into compost. Uh, the plastic knife, oh, it, it goes into soft plastics. What about these unused mayo and mustard packets? Well, I could squeeze the com condiments into compost and put the packets in soft plastic, but I'm not going to. Just drop them in the landfill bin. What a hassle. But I'm trying. Not perfectly, but I'm learning. And I'm starting to put up with the hassle because of my values. My value, one of them, is that I really dislike uh, producing garbage. I figure the planet cannot sustain my garbage and the garbage of 7.8 billion other people. Yeah, it's a hassle. It's not easy, 
but my values spur me on to keep trying with these new habits. And it's the same with, with expanding your emotional, physical, financial, and time margin. It'll be a hassle. It's not going to, change isn't going to be easy, but our, if we have values undergirding us, it will spur us on. Today, I want to talk about two of those values, and next Sunday, we'll look at two more. Today's message is health through contentment and simplicity. Contentment and simplicity are values that we're going to need to spur on our margin-building practices. Now, contentment and simplicity are not normal these days. We live in a complicated world, and it's not going to be changing anytime soon. Technology promises to simplify your life, but I, you know what I've learned? That everything that works also breaks. Have you found that? The house that we live in has automatic sprinklers. Automatic sprinklers are great until they're not. Huh? Sprinkler heads get chopped off by the lawnmower. The seals get old and then start leaking terribly. Last spring, we had a broken line caused by a tree, uh, tree root. You know, some days I would just rather yank around the hose all over the yard. Technology is our friend, but only to a limit. Sometimes it makes things more complicated, too. For, for most of my life, written messages were sent by mail. Though I have to confess, it's hard for me to remember those days. You had to handwrite a letter, find the address, put it in the envelope, lick it, you know, put a stamp on the envelope. Email is so much easier, right? So much faster. But is my life simpler because of email or more complicated now? I'm going to tell you, I get way, way, way more emails than I ever did snail mails. And the overload of that, right? It can be oppressing. I wonder how many of those email messages we would actually send if we had to put them down on paper and stick a stamp on an envelope. What, what at first seemed easy has somehow backfired. It's boomeranged on us and robbed us of margin. Now, email's not going away until some other technology takes over its place. You know, Trisha and I thought about going to um, the Husker football game yesterday. She knew somebody that had uh, tickets for sale. Um, we, we looked at our, our weekend calendar, and while going to the game was technically doable, our, our weekend was already fuller than normal. And we didn't want to be constantly rushing and end up exhausted at the end of the weekend, and so we passed. Not sure if we'll go to a game this year, especially now. <laughs> we'll see. But for this weekend, we adopted, we opted for the simpler life. We chose margin. Let's open our Bibles to a passage that Larry read for us, 1 Timothy chapter 6, starting with verse 6. One of the great passages on contentment and simplicity. Uh, you'll find it on page 1195 of the Pew Bible. 
And by the way, if you would like to have a Bible of your own, then we can make that happen today. We have a free Bible for you out at the Welcome Center at the East Entrance. We gave one out after the first service. Love to do it again uh, after this service. Now, in the paragraph right before this, Paul warns Timothy about false teachers stirring up trouble and convincing people that if they live godly lives, they're going to become rich. Today we call them prosperity preachers. Paul says, don't listen to them. Then he says in verse 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness means living a life that pleases God. And contentment is being at peace with what you have. A life that pleases God and being, con- being at peace with what you have is priceless. And then Paul gives uh, Timothy this nugget of truth in verse 7. It says, for we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of it. What do we say today? You can't take it with you. You don't pull a U-Haul behind the hearse, Right? I know a family that has a three-car garage. There's no room for any of their cars in it. Our garages, our closets get overloaded with stuff. Last week, I counted my long-sleeve button-down dress shirts, a sports shirts like this one. I have 33 But a few of them, few of them qualify, qualify as vintage clothing now. I've had them so long, right? <laughs> and so I picked out a few that have gone into the goodwill pile. Um, by the way, I was wondering, can you really see me? Because I, I, I was sitting there early this morning and realized that I look like the church. <laughs> you know, I mean, the brown here and my, my shirt kind of looks like these background panels. And I thought, I look like a floating head up here. Anyway, we come to verse 8, and, uh, which I don't know that I could live up to. Verse 8. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. I've never been tested to that extreme, to have nothing but food and clothing. Now, Paul's not saying that God only wants you to have food and clothing. Uh, in his letter to the Philippians, Paul says that he knows how to be content whether he has plenty or very little. And so I think he's saying that if, if it turns out that all he has that day is f- some food to, to keep him full and, and to clothes to keep him warm, that he will be thankful. Now, the opposite of contentment is setting your heart on wealth. And that is a dangerous place to be. Verse 9 Those who want to get rich fall into a temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Now, if you are in business, I hope that you are successful. I hope that you make good money and and, uh, you can employ people and bless them. But when you follow Jesus, profit is not your top priority. You have values that come way before making money. 
But there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that you have other things that are also and even more important. If you let wealth become first, it will sabotage your soul. It will ruin your relationships. It will destroy your godliness. And you'll find yourself becoming more and more unhappy. Verse 10 starts out, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is poison to your soul. Jesus said you cannot love God and money. And verse 10 ends with this warning. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. I don't want you to be pierced with many griefs and regrets over the things that you've lost because you were so eager to get rich. Don't you know? We're already rich. We've received the greatest treasure, the free gift of salvation through faith in Christ. That's where our contentment comes from. We've already got it made. So what does a simple life of contentment look like? Now, I would say it looks different for everybody, but I do want to share with you a few ideas. First, a simple life of contentment enjoys simple pleasures. The new hobby, I may have shared this once before, but the new hobby that I adopted over the pandemic is um, bird watching. And I, I've set up different bird feeders just off of our deck, and I just love, joy, you know, watching those birds. And I, I've taken down, you know, as it's getting colder, I take down the hummingbird and oriole feeders. Uh, but I still have four of them, four other feeders still up. I have a suet feeder for the woodpeckers. We get four different kinds, the downy, the, the hairy, the, the red-breasted, and the northern flicker. Uh, I have two tray feeders as well, and lots of kind of birds come to them, uh, one with, with safflower seed, one with sunflower seed, and once in a while, the morning doves just kind of come there to land and hang out for a while. I also have a thistle feeder for the finches. Now, as it gets colder, the white-breasted nuthatches will leave, but the red-breasted nuthatches will come and, and come back to our area. And we also, in the winter, get the cute little dark-eyed juncos. We've also seen chickadees and blue jays and cardinals, and a few times this year, we've even seen the rose-breasted grosbeak, one of my favorites. Bird watching is a simple pleasure. And uh, I don't know why I waited so long to begin doing this. I, I just enjoy it. Second, a simple life of contentment does not set its heart on possessions. Several years ago, uh, we went to, Trish and I went to visit some friends uh, who'd moved to Illinois. They have a beautiful home. And they, they told us the story about how God sort of provided and, and led them to this house. And, and uh, I, I tell you, the, I noticed the wood flooring in this house was just stunning. And I said to my friend, I love the floors in your house. He said, well, let's rip them up so you can take them with you. Such delightful sarcasm, right? Now, of course, in the English language, we, we use the word love in all kinds of ways, right? 
But for me, that little exchange was just kind of a turning point in my thinking and how I, I use that word love. So today, I'm much less likely to use the word love to say I love a thing. I might, it might slip out sometimes, but, but you know, I don't want to set my heart on possessions, either the ones I have or the ones I want to have. Third, a simple life of contentment learns what is and is not restorative. And again, we're all different. Uh, you have to learn what is restorative for you. When our kids were young, uh, one Sunday afternoon, I was, I was sitting at a park bench with another dad. We were watching our kids play on the playground equipment there at the park. It was a gorgeous day. Oh, warm, but not unbearably hot, not humid, um, light breeze. You, you remember those days, right? Yeah. I turned to my friend and I said, I feel really sorry for all those people who are out boating and skiing right now. They're going to come home exhausted, wishing they had another day to rest before they go back to work on Monday. Now, you could say, I was a little jealous because I didn't have a boat. Maybe. And maybe some who went skiing really did not come home exhausted. They were fine. And if a friend invited me to go out on the lake on a Sunday afternoon, I'd probably go. But I don't think I'd do it every weekend because I know me. And it wouldn't take very long before that would be a depleting activity for me and not restorative. One more. A simple life of contentment argues with advertising claims. I hope that you are an arguer in the face of all the advertisements that we get. You know, a commercial makes it seem like, you know, all the cool people shop at this store. And if you don't, then you're not going to be one of the cool people. And I hope that you argue back and say, who cares? I didn't need to be a part of the cool crowd anyway. You know, one of the, one of the big changes I've seen in 2021 is, is the advertising of sports betting. It's everywhere. And so I hope that you argue back and say, I don't, I don't need to gamble to enjoy the game. I'm just fine. Do you, do you hear what the ads are promising you? It's very subtle sometimes, but it, after a while it makes an impression. I will be tough if I drive this truck. I will be creative if I have this computer. I will be trendy if I wear this watch. I will be sexy if I get this fragrance. Those who embrace the simple life of contentment resist those lies. We are part of God's counterculture in this world. We live by the word of God, and we believe that there is great gain in godliness with contentment and simplicity. So, back to this. Today, you got, hopefully you got the index card when you came in. Um, and um, if, you, if, you and your part, if you and somebody who's with you only got one apiece, you could rip it in half and share. I don't care. But anyway, uh, I have a few questions for you, and I invite you to 
pick one or more of the questions to respond to. What simple pleasures do I enjoy? What possession am I tempted to make too important? What activity do I find restorative? What advertisements do I find most tempting? So we're going to take a full minute uh, while Donovan plays uh, to pray and ponder on one or more of these questions. And I invite you to just jot down your thoughts, whatever comes to mind during this uh, minute. And, and of course, after worship, take the card with you. You might think of more things you want to put down. Oh, Lord, you know that uh, we know that life is complicated. Um, but we sometimes, it just feels like it's way overly complicated and overloaded. And, Lord, we are, our hearts long for wide spaces of simplicity, for long stretches of contentment. And, Lord, we ask that you'll help these values of contentment and simplicity to take root and grow deeply in our lives and that from that we will find the motivation to increase margin and Jesus you are our greatest treasure we fix our eyes on you we fix our hearts on your love and more than anything Lord, we want to see you more clearly, love you more dearly, and follow you more nearly, day by day. And all God's people said, amen.